If you'll open your Bible to page 978, page 978, I want you to look with me today at one of the most exciting chapters in all the book of Acts, if not the entire Bible. In a nutshell, you know the story. It is the chapter about uh, Peter being in prison and uh, awaiting really his execution is what the situation is in this chapter. And then the angel showed up after this church was having this prayer meeting and uh, a really a remarkable thing. So let's just look on page 978 and let me launch into this and read a few of these verses and then uh, see what we can uh, learn from them. In, in Acts chapter 12, verse one, number one, the Bible says, now about that time, Herod, now this is Herod Agrippa. This is Herod the Great's uh, grandson is who this Herod is. Uh, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. In other words, they were persecuting the believers. Then he killed James. Now this is the James that was one of the first disciples. James and John, son of Zebedee. He's the first Christian martyred. And so he had him killed with the sword. And verse 3 says, because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread. Now, the days of unleavened bread, it, it, that, that little period of time is like the week before Passover. And, of course, at Passover, Jews, as many as possible, the men, 21 years in age and above, all would try to go to Jerusalem to be there for Passover. So what did he do in verse 4? He had arrested him. He arrested Peter, and he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intended to bring him before the people after Passover. So now here Peter is, get the picture. He's in prison. He, he knows what's happened to James. And he knows in about one week later uh, what's probably going to happen to him. And so here's old Simon Peter, who's a man of action. He's kind of behind the jail bars now awaiting what is going to take place. Now, when we come to verse number five, it's a very interesting thing because what we find, it's verse five and get on down to verse six. While Peter's in prison, the church in Jerusalem was praying. They had gathered together, the believers praying. It says in verse five, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Uh, and when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was uh, sleeping, bound with two chains between the two soldiers, and the guards uh, before, the door were, uh, before the door were keeping the prison. These guards keeping the prisoners, Peter and others as well. So here's, here's a picture. It's, 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 it's an unbelievable story is the way it turns out. Uh, Peter's in prison, but the church is praying. So here it is. And while Peter's in prison awaiting what he would anticipate to be his execution, then this church is having a prayer meeting for Peter. And then it's very interesting in verse 7, an angel shows up. An angel of the Lord stood by Peter and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, arise quickly. And his chains fell off of his hands. Then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. So he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So Peter went out and followed the angel. But he did not know that 
it was what was being done was really was real by an angel. He thought he was seeing a vision. In other words, he thought he was having a dream. We all have dreams, and sometimes you wake up and say, oh, my gracious, I'm glad it's not true. Other times you have a dream and say, you know, I wish it were true. Well, he just had a, he thought he was asleep having a dream. But when they were past the first and second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which just opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately an angel departed. This angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, notice he realized this thing was really not a dream. He said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary. Now this is Mary, the mother of Mark, who wrote the gospel of Mark. And, and, and it seems like the, you know, the believers had kind of gathered at her house. It seemed to be kind of a gathering place. And it says, uh, where many were gathered together praying. That last little phrase in verse number 12 is so very important. Where many were gathered together and praying. And Peter knocked at the door of the gate, and a girl named Rhoda came to answer. But when she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the door, the gate but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. They said to her, you're beside yourself. They said, you're crazy. That's not true. Uh, and, but she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. And Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Well, we'll stop because of time's sake. But here's, here's, a, here's what really caught my attention. Some weeks ago, just in my Bible reading, not thinking about getting up a Tuesday Bible lunch or getting up anything, I was reading Acts chapter 12, and I thought, boy, there's a lesson in this that I need to hear. There's a lesson in this all of us as believers need to hear, because here's the deal. The power of, of believers gathered together praying is just mind-boggling. In fact, it says here, they, they were astonished. And I think it's an element in Christian life that we have missed. Now, you know, the Bible says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Now, that, if that is true, and that is true, the Bible says it's true. It's over in the book of James. You may want to read that verse uh, later. James chapter 5, verse 16. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Mean, <clears throat> means it makes a difference. If a person is right with God and they pray, uh, there's something about that prayer that has power to it. Now, that being true, this thought came to my mind. If it be true, and it is true, the Bible says it's true, that the prayer of one person makes a huge difference, then what would be the outcome, the result of many believers coming together and they're praying? And so that's what I want you to think with me about today because really that is the lesson. And really one of the saddest things in Christianity today in the churches, all of our churches that I'm aware is is how little time the believers, even at church, spend, even in a worship service, in prayer. You know, that's been a real burden of my heart. It's been a burden of John's heart. You know, at First Baptist, like, we have five, what we would call, preaching services a week, this being one of the five. 
three on Sunday, two on Sunday morning, one on Sunday night. We have Tuesday Bible lunch. We have Wednesday night Bible study. So we have five. But as you, you know, I, I, God just began to deal with our heart about it. Said, as you look at this, uh, at all the things we do in worship, and they're all wonderful things, but when you put the clock to it, I mean, other than a little prayer at offering time, a little prayer maybe for this or whatever, the, clockwise, there's, it's, it's very minimal compared to all the other things we do. And, you know, you read a chapter like this and you think about, well, here, here's a great example of the power that comes when Christians, you know, pray. This whole idea of even in worship of prayer, but not only worship. They, they were at, at Mary's home in our scripture here, but it really has become a, a neglect in, in, in the Christian life. It's almost become a neglect to desertion. There's just almost not any of it at all. Church, real prayer meetings are very rare today. Now, I grew up in the little country church, and every Wednesday night we had a service. It was called, y'all know the name of it? Prayer meeting. I grew up with Now, we didn't have all the little organizations that students go to now. Like on Wednesday night, you know, we have the we have uh, those of us that's old and kind of can't do much else. We go to, over to the chapel. And then, then you've got students up here going 100 miles an hour. You've got elementary kids over here. You've got preschool kids over here. You've got the choir practicing. So I mean, you just scattered all over the place. But we didn't have all that where I grew up. You just, you know, you just, everybody went to church on Wednesday night, and it was prayer meeting. Now, as a boy growing up, one of the things I noticed about prayer meeting was we didn't pray much. I figured that out as a kid. I said, what did y'all do at prayer meeting? Well, we'd sing some songs. We'd have a couple of songs. And then somebody would get up and make announcements. And then somebody would, uh, maybe the same person, maybe the pastor or whoever, they would, they would, we'd spend a lot of time reading the sick list. And, and people would get up and tell stories about who was sick. It was almost like being in the hospital. You know, it was like a health report, you know. So, you know, Aunt Sue, she hurt her back today, and we need to pray for Aunt Sue. And by the way, old Bud's not doing good either, you know. I, I disagree. Well, we did need to pray for I'm not making a lot of praying for Aunt Sue and Bud. But I'm just saying, as a kid growing up, I, you know, and then we'd have a sermon. Preacher, you know, he'd preach a, a sermon. And, 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 of course, we'd pray for Aunt Sue and Bud and, and pray for whatever else that they said we need to pray for. But the whole thing wouldn't take but a minute to a praying. But the singing would take a good bit and the preaching would take a good bit. And um, it, that, that's just, that was just a whole deal. Well, of course, today, most churches don't even have a Wednesday night prayer service or, or doing anything. I mean, which I'm not saying is good or bad. I'm just saying it's kind of the deal. Uh, you know, I mean, churches used to have Sunday morning, Sunday night. I remember we used to have vacation Bible school. It was two weeks. If we announced a two-week vacation Bible school, our people would have a heart attack. <laughs> no, they'd probably fire whichever one of us came up with that. You used to have two-week revivals. Then you had week revivals. Then you had four-day revivals. Then you just don't have any revivals. So what's, what's happened to you preachers? There's nothing happened to we preachers if people won't come. You know, First Baptist Dallas pastor got up and told his people, we're going to now discontinue Sunday night church. And the reason we discontinued is majority of you don't ever come and I'm not going to get up a sermon for a handful. I thought, well, I'll say one thing for him. He told them the truth. I mean, I mean, they'd already voted to do away with it before he made the announcement. Well, the same kind of thing. You see, we vote by our being participating. 
participation. Well, this whole deal about prayer meeting. Now, as I think about all that, of course, what last September, we began, and we said we don't know where it's going, how long it's going to go. When it, 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 we said we just got to do something to have more prayer in our worship service, five worship services. And we, so we made a little change to Sunday night church and said let's give it a shot. And we still hadn't got the thing figured out. We're working on it. We call it prayer and praise. And it still has a little mini sermon to it. But we, we want to have a time where our people can come together and, yes, praise God in music. But, you know, we want to have a time where our people can pray. And some people say, well, you know, I just want it to be like it used to be. Well, folks, number one, nothing's like it used to be. But what people are really saying when they say that is, what I want to go to church and do, I just want to sit and watch other folks do things and go to the house. Well, I like to watch other folks do things too, but I've got a conviction that somehow, somewhere, and we don't have it figured out yet, but I think we would all agree that God's people at church somewhere during the week need to have some opportunity where Christians can gather together in corporate prayer and pray. There is a power to that. I wish I could say, hey, here, here's a solution. Now, we see the results of that in our scripture here. The church is over here praying, and Peter's over here in prison, and the angel shows up. Now, Peter's out of prison. And why is he out of prison? I, I, I just can't help but believe that God saw these people over at Mary's house praying and God worked a different and a wonderful and a miraculous miracle. There is power when Christian people gather, not just at church. You know, I remember back in days gone by, you'd have the old fall revival and you'd have these cottage prayer meetings. Do you remember cottage prayer meetings? Y'all never heard of them? Well... Uh, we've done that in our church through various things. Back when we were building all this stuff, we'd, we'd, we'd members, would, they'd be host, and different people from the church would be invited to come to their homes, and, it was, and yet they'd have refreshments and all that, but it was really a Christians gathering together to pray. Now, let me say this about what I'm reading here. As I read this chapter, thinking about the different groups that have prayed for us and Dottie through all that, the journey of since May, I thought, you know, there's just a, there's just a, you'd have to be blind not to see, and other churches have prayed for us. We get, we get letters from many different churches saying, I mean, some of them, I've never even heard of the churches. I don't even know how they knew about it, saying we've learned, you know, Dottie is going through what she's going through, and we've added that to our church. Well, you think that doesn't touch your heart. And I think the miracle of the healing has been greatly just, just, a pot, just prayer. But then I began to think, just, I thought about, as I was reading that chapter, I thought about, you know, now I can think of some times during my years here that I've gone to members' home where I would ask several families to come pray. And, and we, I remember once, uh, Dwayne Mills now, who's going to be the Lord, but he and Erlene, we met over at their home. I'll never forget one Wednesday afternoon. I called right after lunch and said, Brother Dwayne, uh, he's chairman of the deacons. And I said, uh, we just got a need, and I need, I need to get a few of our folks that, that will pray with us to pray about this need. And we met over at Dwayne Erlene Mills' house. Lee and Joyce Jaggers were there. And I'm not, there, there were a couple of more families that had been kind of prayer partners with our family and we met over at their home 
that Wednesday afternoon, and it was one of the most uh, remarkable times and how God worked all that out. And, and I, I was thinking about that two weeks ago when I was reading this chapter. And then I thought, you know, before that, I remember a time when we were going through another situation in our family, and uh, I, I, I had about, oh, I don't know, 12 or 15 people that met at our home. And I can, I can still, in my mind, picture it. And one of them, a man who was one of the best prayer warriors for me and my family that I've ever had, is a man named C.L. Ellis. Do you remember, you remember C.L. Ellis? C.L. and Becky. Becky's still living. C.L.'s going to be with the Lord. But C.L., nobody ever prayed for us more than C.L. Nobody ever encouraged us more than C.L. But what I remember about that, those Christians gathered that day in our home, and I just shared. I said, look, here's, here's the situation we are going through. And we, we just need God's help. We need God's direction. And what I want y'all to do, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to, this isn't a talking about meeting. This is a prayer meeting. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is just scatter over our house, upstairs and downstairs, and pray for this situation. And when you finish praying, just quietly, just leave. Don't, don't, don't start talking. And I, can st- I was thinking about this two weeks ago. I can still close my eyes. C.L. was a lot taller than I am. And C.C.L. Ellis, he, he went over and got on the steps in our foyer that go upstairs. And old C.L., I guess he was six feet, maybe a little bit. He just was laid out on those steps praying. And, you know, interesting, God, God, God answered those prayers and God helped, as God always does. But as I read this chapter, and I thought, well, it's a great chapter. Peter's in prison. Church is over here praying. I'm telling you something. There, there's something. The, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much, makes a difference. True. But I'll tell you what else. When God's people gather, and, and the great need that would bring something to happen, my opinion, in America... And I think we'd all agree something in America needs to happen. Can we agree with that? Say, well, we'll, we're going to fix it in Washington. We won't ever fix anything in Washington. I'm serious. We may make it better, maybe make it worse. I'll leave that for you. But I'll tell you, the only way it'll be fixed is from heaven. And if Christian people would just understand what would really happen, no matter what the church tries to put together, is... You know, we gather in homes for meals and watch ball games and play games, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. But wouldn't it be something if we added to that? (laughs) Christian people just gathering together, maybe three couples, four couples, five or six, and just say, hey, we just want to pray about this, and we want to pray about that, and just, just have... Just have these old home prayer meetings just going on all over our land. I think what would happen, I think just like the believers in Jerusalem, I think we would be astonished at what God would do. Father God, there's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. And I could tell, and maybe some weeks I need to share more, God, I've seen the result of believers gathering together at church and then away from church. We don't have to be at church, God, to pray. And people here, they they know exactly what I'm talking about. 
But there's a power. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man makes a difference. True. But God, if we could just multiply that and, and begin to be serious about prayer. God, prayer is the lifeline to heaven. And there's a power about prayer. And God, sometimes we have the idea things are in such a mess. We say, well, at least we'll pray about it. God, it's not at least we'll pray about it. The most we can do is pray about it. Help us to pray like we've never prayed in our land for our country, for our world, and for whatever needs the Holy Spirit puts on our heart. And God, thank you that heaven hears our prayers and heaven's will bless those prayers according to your will and purpose. God, thank you for each one here today. Bless us as we journey on through this day and week, and uh, keep us safe and help us be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.